we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about Welcome back to the Friday Crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick. It's hour two. I'm Jake Mistel, along with Brett Hahn on the Zoom. We got a good segment for you. Can we just talk? Brett, you got something for us. What do you got? Yeah, this is a this is a can we just rant? Um, I, you know, WRCU fantasy football draft is coming up Monday, August 29th at nine. And, you know, regardless, it's going to be an exciting league and full of guys with loads of football knowledge. So it's going to be highly competitive, but, but there's 14 teams in here. I did a mock draft on my pick, which is number six. And, probably the worst pick in the entire thing it's you know like i i was texting in the group chat jake that i didn't want seven because you know then there would be seven picks in between you know each or i'm sorry there would be yeah six picks in between oh wait i'm doing this math wrong there there would be six picks before mine, and then on the uh, the flip side of it, there would be seven or eight picks before mine. So either way, I would have a long time in between picks. But then I did number six, right? Which you know you have five guys before you, and then you got you got uh, I, I don't know fifth, and then I think think of like eight. Oh my god, dude, I can't do math. But like point being, there, there there's a long layoff in picks, and and I did a couple mock drafts. And I'm donezo here. Like, I'm gonna stick to a game plan. You know, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that the guys I set very high on end up achieving what they do. But six pick is brutal. It is very hard. You have no wiggle room. So I uh, I have to really be on point for this draft. Yeah, I mean, so so you were talking about your mock draft. So you you picked everyone. You picked what you who you thought everyone was going to take in the mock draft. No, I mean, like I, you know, the the point of me doing a mock draft is to kind of like see, you know, n- not only get a, a memorization of like the rankings, you know, that ESPN has since we're using their platform, but at the same time. To kind of analyze trends and understand, like, okay, like who who might fall, you know, who who who's somebody maybe that you can reach on in the early portions, or like, hey, if I don't select a receiver here or I select a running back, like then what? Or or maybe like you know, which I don't recommend doing at all. Um, don't draft a quarterback early. Um, but say you, I don't know, say say you say you have a league full of quarterback hungry guys. You know, it's like, oh, hey, will Josh Allen be there in, like, two rounds? You know, those are the decisions you have to make. And 14 teams, you know, I I was uh, texting the group chat this. Like, I've never done it before. I'm very excited. I was hoping to pick some picks 1 through 3 or 10 through 14. Because at, at the top three, you get a premier talent. And yes, you got to wait a while in between your picks, but when you do, you know, you got two picks relatively close to each other. 10 through 14, same deal. Like you have to wait a while, but 
you know, you, you get an opportunity to get two guys in the top 25, which is huge. Or, you know what, not even two in the top 25, two guys in, like, the top, like, like 20. That's huge. So, um, you know, having the number six pick makes it harder. And they're oh, – man, I'm trying to keep this as PG as possible because this is a PG podcast. But, um, I, but yeah, like, you know, for – It's for, interesting. Uh, I'm I'm doing the math here. You know, I have the number nine pick in the first round. So, so, so the way this works is, you you start out. It's one through fourteen, and then fourteen through one, and then again back again, right? Yeah, it's serpentine. So you know, yeah, you, okay. you you go so, one through fourteen, and then fourteen picks. On so a then back that would back. mean I would have both the number nine pick and the number twenty pick. That's yeah, let me see. You have nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty close to it, yeah. So, 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 you you were doing your mock draft based on like ESPN's like top fantasy player rankings. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of how fantasy works. Like you, you know, you you go off their their big board. You know, there's the ADP thing on the right, which stands for average draft position. You know, well, you, I'm, I'm just. I feel cu- like that doesn't really mean much. Like you kind of got to analyze. I'm curious like, where wh- who who would be the number nine one on the big board. I'm just curious. Uh, let me think. So so ESPN number one's Jonathan Taylor, number two's Jonathan McCaffrey or Jonathan Jesus Christian McCaffrey, number three right now is Cooper Cup, number four is Austin Eckler, number five is Justin Jefferson. Then it goes Jamar Chase. Uh, who's seven? Se- seven, I believe, is Najee Harris. Eight, uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, oh my God! N- now I'm forgetting. Um, but Stephon n- number nine, I think. Think, think you, you'll have a choice between guys like Devontae Adams. Um, Stephon Diggs. You know, yeah, Derek Stephon Henry. Diggs is a little bit. Derek. Oh, Derek Henry was seven. That's right. Derek Henry seven. Najee Harris is eight. Uh, Dalvin Cook is nine, and then number ten was uh, number ten. I believe was Devonte Adams. Interesting. So, Interesting. You know, you, point being, like, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, who you pick in the top ten, like, you have plenty of talent up there. I mean, I mean, it's not a problem. It's the waiting in between the picks that really is going to make this fantasy football draft interesting and something that's really going to become a hallmark of segments to come on crew and just between you know the guys and the chat and everything so you know it's it's so so Brett, it's exciting to be Brett, a part you're of telling that. me that you're not head. confident in your drafting ability is that what i'm hearing out of all, all the fantasy sports i play i think the most drafting is fantasy football and it's definitely one that it's one of my weaker ones i'll admit it you know like i just uh i i i appreciate the insider intel (laughs) yeah i mean look like i'm gonna stick to my big board and go from there but i mean like um out of all that i've done with friends or coworkers. I've never won a football league. I finished second a few times. I finished mostly third and fourth. I've never won. Well, so, that's that's. I mean, that's 
that's still better than me because I've never done this before. So I'm I'm just sitting here being like, huh, <laughs> you know, I, I I watch football all the time. I love football, but I've never done a fantasy league. So, you know, this it'll be interesting to see how I do because I bring you're I, gonna have a blast. I I so bring a new there. perspective to the game. I don't know if it'll be one that works, but I'm I'm gonna go in with my mindset. Nah, yeah, just, just just lock in the guys that you want. Um, I mean, you have two minutes to make a pick, so. So um, so when you guys when you guys laugh at me for taking someone for for taking someone unexpected, you know, and then they end up having a really good game, you know, <laughs> that's that's definitely not going to happen. But. <laughs> hey, hey, man! Like the only way I'm going to say something is if it's so egregious, but. You 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 are not a high spirits intellect and knowledge. So I, everybody in this league is for that matter. So I think it's going to be very 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 balanced. Probably the most balanced one I've ever been in my life. To be honest with you. So exciting stuff. It'll be it'll it'll be interesting. Um, so I guess you talk about um. I guess this would be a good time to kind of explain how fantasy football works for those at home who might not know, and also for me because I am I'm a complete newbie at this, so I don't know anything. So why don't yeah, you, why mean, don't you um, explain how it works? Do you, do you want me to do you have like a general overview, or do you have like specific questions? Nah, uh, I just give like a general overview of how it works. All right. Yeah. So I mean, um, yeah. I, I, I'll start with. How are your roster composition? So, you know, in your starting lineup, in a multitude of different ways, but in the league we have specifically, it's a quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, a tight end, a flex, which a flex position is could either be a tight end, a wide receiver, or a running back. Okay. Um, a kicker, a defense slash special teams. And six, I believe it's six or seven bench spots, which you can comprise any way you want to. Um, so, so the main thing, you know, it, it, it's all about having depth. It's all about looking at the rankings, you know, looking at the names and thinking, all right, like who can make the most impact? Who is the uh, pathway to the maybe like the most snaps or a larger chunk in the offense? There's also a premium on what they call insurance backs. So, like, you know, for example, say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets hurt and Jarek McKinnon, a great insurance appeal would be Isaiah Pacheco. He'd step right into the role and you get workhorse-type carries, and that's huge. Um, as for the scoring itself, kind of going along that, uh, the, the scoring for this league – and most popular is a PPR. It's called points per reception. So you get a point every time a receiver, a running back, or a tight end catches the ball, right? Mm-hmm. On, on top of uh, yards, touchdowns, um, passing yards, like all these different things. You know, the I don't. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't have all like memorized to the point where I can sit here and like analytically break down every single metric for you. But you know, I'm not asking you to do the, that. <laughs> the, 
the, the key, you know, if you ever have a question with that, and for those at home, I guess, who have a question about their scoring, and really before the draft, you want to understand how the scoring works, you would go into your league, uh, I believe it's under league manager tools if you're using ESPN, and you, you, you scroll down, or league settings, excuse me, and you scroll all the way down, and then it'll it'll give you a detailed overview of each metric that's being score, uh, analyzed and scored in this league to contribute to a weekly total. So, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, that, that, that's as simple as I can make it. I mean, there's so much more to it, but I don't really want to overload. I so. mean, that's still, that's, that's a lot that goes into, you know, that, that there's a lot there, right? I mean, fantasy football is complicated. It is. It is. It's, it, it's very contingent on your, on your knowledge of, you know, the impact players, depth charts of every team, um, you know, breakout candidates, like r- rookies on the rise. If you're doing like a dynasty league, um, if you're doing a keeper league, it's about like where you drafted a player and, you know, uh, if they're really impactful, you know, do you want to keep them and lose or forfeit that round's pick? There's so many different ways to play fantasy football, and really it's like it it's quite complex. And honestly, my main thing and the reason why I got into it is because it got me more immersed into the game of football. It got me knowing who each guy on the roster was and really outside of when the Jets just are – the Jets are just abysmal. So I have to, like, stay – focused on other things sometimes to not be mad at my team so fantasy football is a good way to do that what do you wait you you're telling me you don't like yelling at your tv screen every day and hanging your head in shame when your team loses no no not at all oh my god that's one of my favorite pastimes brett come on man (laughs) no i mean every every jets fan out here i mean i'm sure i'm sure john would share the sentiment if he was here like the, the the Jets just, you know, it's more heartbreak and anger than anything, especially with Zach Wilson before he got hurt. You know, locking eyes with his receiver again and just tossing a tossing a gimme interception. It's it, now it's Zach, Zach Wilson's injury. It's not super serious, right? Yeah, um, he should he, be back after a few weeks, right? Uh. Yeah, he should be back early in the season. I, I mean, there were speculation. There was speculation that he'd be back week one. I think the Jets are going to play it safe, and Joe Flacco will start the season as Jets QB one. Captain Checkdown. Um, <laughs> my God, Joe Joe Flacco. The age. The, they're calling him the ageless. They're calling him the ageless wonder, which I hate them calling him that because the ageless wonder is Vinny Testaverde, who had way better stats in a Jets uniform. Then Joe Flacco that, ever will. What, what, why yeah. would they call him the ageless wonder? He used to be able to throw a deep ball. Now he can't. Yeah. That's the I definition of aging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. I, I like Flacco won the Super Bowl one year. You got to give him props. But if you want to call someone, understand. if you want to call someone the ageless wonder, there's a guy right there in Tampa Bay. <laughs> he called the goat though. What? He is the greatest quarterback to ever play. 
Well, I mean, yeah, they call him the GOAT. He's also the ageless wonder because he's like, what, 87 years old and he's still playing at an elite level? So, yeah, I mean, I'm you know, sure when his grandkids are getting ready to play, he'll still be slinging passes out there. I don't know if it'll be for the NFL. He'll certainly be a I, I think vital contributor the, to backyard bas- or backyard football. Excuse me. I think the moment that Tom Brady stops being good at football, he will retire. <laughs> I think he's got one more year in him. And I Over think you can. I think you can never count out touchdown, Tom. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And ever since Tom left New England, I have a newfound respect for him because the media is not slandering him, you know, every chance they get. But, um, you know, I just realistically, I don't think he's going to play beyond the next one to two seasons at max. So I guess we'll see if he proves me wrong or not. We shall see. I think that's going to do it for can we just talk when we get back. I don't know. You decide the topic, Brett. What are we talking about when we get back from the break? I'll leave it as a surprise. Oh, you're leaving it as a surprise. Well, in that case, we got a surprising segment for you coming up after the break. You're listening to the Friday Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Welcome back to the Friday Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. I'm Jake Maystell, and I'm joined by Brett Hahn on the Zoom. And, Brett, you told me that this next segment is a surprise. Well, it's time to let the cat out of the bag. What are we talking about? Yeah, um, you know, there's one uh, there's one thing that I'm going to talk about, and it was a surprise to me, too. I wanted to get your thoughts on it, Jake. Um, the, the topic in NBA circles all offseason has been the trade of Rudy Gobert from the Jazz to the Timberwolves. Would the Jazz also look to trade Donovan Mitchell and embrace a full-on rebuild? According to sources, um, the Jazz are currently looking at a way to accelerate trade looking to get a trade done before the start of training camp now this is per brian windhorst of espn and jake i i want to get your thoughts kind of on if donovan mitchell is traded from utah you know maybe like teams like the knicks have been brought up cavaliers originally were in there but they removed themselves from discussions uh would you would you want to see donovan mitchell go to new york maybe for the knicks or the nets or Miami Heat's another team, or do you think he should stay put in Utah? So, I got a question first. Sure. And that is, what on God's green earth would the New York Knickerbockers have to give up in order to get Donovan Mitchell? I mean, I'm sure they would have to give up Obi Toppin. Um, no. They would probably have to give him no. up. Uh, R.J. Barrett's no. a name that's been thrown in there. But the Jazz don't Absolutely even want to Barrett. Leave his the, butt in Utah. He can live with the Mormons. <laughs> yeah, listen. But, yeah, but the Knicks aren't going to be able to give up Julius Randle for him. Julius Randle's a scrub. 
Well, the, the the Jazz are a poverty franchise, so they deserve scrubs. <laughs> dude, dude, the Knicks, the Knicks literally broke me so bad that I became a Rockets fan. Like, I, I the, the Knicks, every team that I've ever been associated with in my life, the Knicks were by far the most dysfunctional. And I'm not saying they're nearly as bad as, like, when Phil Jackson was there. That's when I... That's when I switched over to Houston. um, I can tell you this. I've only been a Knicks fan since, like, 2016 because I wasn't really into NBA basketball until that that point, until uh, the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. That's when I became a basketball fan, (laughs) NBA fan. Um, But... You know, I, I I'll say this. I mean, I I'm still relatively new, but in, in the past five years, no team has hurt me more than the New York Yankees. So, honestly, <laughs> you know, I'm okay with the Knicks right now. I just don't want them to uh, trade away their future for a guy who can't play defense. <laughs> He's a superstar in the league, though. You you, he you can't wouldn't play want him defense. and Jalen Brunson to form a okay, but they they still form form a solid backcourt. And they have Mitchell I want I want a solid front court too, though. Is the thing. You I feel like games, out of all positions, you don't you don't win games by only chucking up threes and hope they all go. That's not how you play basketball. <laughs> well, that that kind of is how the modern game is. <laughs> it's a lot of three point shooting. Yeah, I know a it's lot a lot of, of three point shooting, but it's not the entire game. You have to have at least one good big man in there. But it's a huge component of the game, you know, and and that's where teams are trying to always constantly improve their depth in three-point shooters with good defensive instincts, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why we've seen teams get smaller. That's why yeah. we've seen guys the, like Draymond Green. The other, I mean, th- Grant, the other reason shoot, I don't want but, the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell is because they have some good chemistry on that team right now between all those young players, and I don't really want them to disturb that chemistry, right? Because when you have good team chemistry, even even in a season that doesn't go the way you want, like it did this year, because obviously the Knicks were bad, they didn't have a winning record, they missed the playoffs, which was you know, it didn't it didn't go the way they expected, which was to get back to the playoffs again. But they still have some good team chemistry between Quickly, Toppin, Barrett, Grimes, uh, Miles McBride. You know, obviously they got the rookie in there, Trevor Keels, out of one of those North Carolina schools. <laughs> I think it's Duke. I don't remember which one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they got, you know, Jer- Jericho Sims. You know, obviously Mitchell Robinson is one of the older players on the team now, but still he's he's got some good chemistry with that team. I don't want them to disturb that by trading away some of their young players to get this big superstar and Donovan Mitchell who's... It just it doesn't work for me. Like, I would love for them to get Donovan Mitchell if it, did, if it didn't mean that they would have to do that. But I know that they would, so I don't want it. Yeah, but, yeah, but don't you think the Knicks kind of need a little bit of a spark? Do, do you think this core is enough for them to take that next step? I mean, they do they need a spark? Okay. I'm thinking about this question right now, so I'm trying to trying to process. 
the the way I think about it is let let's think about the most dominant basketball team of the past decade, right? So we're looking at the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors did not win their championships by buying. Okay, okay, they have they they got one great player in Kevin Durant, but they didn't win their first championship that way. They won their first championship by building a strong core, solid foundation, and that's how they won their most recent championship as well by building a strong core, solid foundation. You know, ba- built on you know homegrown talent. You know, they got those two championships with Kevin Durant, but I mean, it, it, at that point, it was if they didn't do that, they were gonna lose. They were gonna be you know fighting back and forth with LeBron James every year in the finals. You know, so it was like you gotta get the edge somehow, right? <laughs> you know, but that's that that's the level they were playing at, is what I'm saying. So. You know, and I'm not saying that the Knicks are on that level right now because they're not. But they can get to that level if they focus on the young players they currently have. You know, maybe one of them needs to be able to step up and become a star. But I think, you know, R.J. Barrett has that potential. I think Emmanuel Quickly and Opie Toppin have that potential. You know, we we need to see it. They're, they're really starting to come into their own. Obviously, I think if the Knicks had... Not necessarily better coaching, but if, like, say, was it Tom Thibodeau? I forget his name. There's not too many Thibodeaus in New York. Um, Coach Tom Thibodeau. I think he's the only one. No, there, there's also K- In basketball. In, in basketball. Well, yeah, but me, I, I'm about. also a big football fan, so, you know, how it gets mixed up in my head. Um, right. So, you know, I mean, if Coach Tom Thibodeau were to focus more on the young players instead of playing the veterans for 35 minutes a game hint hint then you know maybe we could actually get somewhere but you know i mean i i i think the knicks have potential could they use a spark absolutely do they absolutely do they do they positively need a spark i don't think so not right now i think it's they're still on the tail end of their rebuilding process right you know them making the playoffs was a little bit ahead of schedule. Let's be honest with ourselves. That was ha- ha- them being a little bit ahead of schedule. Now they're kind of back where they were originally supposed to be, which is they're not quite there yet. Um, I think they need to really, you know, it's it's they need to finish the rebuild first and get to being a playoff team with the guys that they have before they can start talking about all right, who are we going to add to make this a championship team? You know, because right now they're thinking they're thinking they're, they're, they're playing the long game, but you can't play the long game when you're not a playoff team. That's my thought process, because otherwise you become the Brooklyn Nets. You don't want to <laughs> be the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> no, but hey, for the Brooklyn Nets, KD is staying, so. Yeah, At he's least they got staying, going but for them right he, now. yeah, he's staying, but he's like what thirty five years old and injury prone. <laughs> yeah, he still he still plays elite level basketball. For how much longer? I mean, for I, I mean, with somebody of his skill set, I feel like that's gonna go on for a while. I mean, he's a six ten guy that can shoot. So he he's a six sure. he's a six ten guy that can shoot, but the problem is. The, the, the problem is he's 33 years old right now. 
and he's a big he's a, he's a big guy who's had injury issues consistently since coming to Brooklyn and since you know his, the tail end of his days in Golden State. I mean, he's not getting younger, so the injuries are just going to become more frequent. So, to me, that's not worth. No, uh, no, but I, I mean, mean, that's like yeah, he's a great player, but. I don't like he's not he's not the guy that's going to put them over the top at this point. They need they need to infuse younger talent, which they they don't really have a lot of that. No, but but you have to admit, like their their team is built for a run. I, I mean, they might they might it, not be the best contender. I'm not it, saying they're the best contender by any stretch. It's built for a run, but only if they but only like okay, think Brett, you you play poker. Uh, not, not too much, but I understand the game. Okay, so 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 let's let's think about it this way: the Knicks currently have potentially a two of a kind on the board, right? You know, but the 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 Nets are built for a run if they hit the Royal Flush, but only if they hit the Royal Flush. That's not good odds. <laughs> That's not good yeah, odds at all, like... Brett. No, you have to remember the Nets two years ago, though, were a Kevin Durant toenail away from beating the Bucks, right? Like, you know, yes, their team was definitely severely affected by injuries last year. The James Harden trade was a nightmare. And Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, you know, drama in the offseason. Kyrie's just always on another planet. That dude's zoinked out of his mind. Um, But... When when the team's fully bought in, I mean they're they're a good team. Joe Harris is going to be coming back this year. They traded for Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant back, and if Kyrie, you know, you know if Kyrie's earth, the earth is flat you know, mentality. You know, I want to say something else, but again, the Squeegee Podcast. Um, you know, if 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 he if he's able to get it together and really contribute to this team for a full season. And him and Kevin Durant, if the rumors about them maintaining close contact and this whole thing is true, I feel like they're going to lay it all on the line in what can potentially be their last season together in Brooklyn. So the the, the Nets, by no stretch, are, are a slouch. Okay. But they definitely have a lot of work to I'm do. I'm not saying they're a slouch, but he, here's here's the problem. He goes back to the, to, the, to the poker analogy. I'm using a Texas Hold'em analogy. So, you know, like the Knicks – Potentially, they've got they've got like a two of a kind on the board after after the third card comes down. You know, maybe you could get a full house or not, and that you still have a two of a kind. And that's good. If the Nets can only get a royal flush, you know, you said they were a toenail away from beating the Bucks. You still gotta you you still gotta have all five cards hit, or otherwise that doesn't work. And it and it didn't. You know, the odds are not good. I don't like their odds with the core that they have. They're too old. They're you know they're not durable enough, and they're playing in a they're they're playing in a league against guys. You know, let's say let's say they make the finals, right? Let's say they defy the odds, get past Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum, and they get to the finals. Who do they have to play? They have to play the Golden State Warriors, or they have to play the Phoenix Suns, or they have to play Luka Doncic, or they have to play John Morant. Dutch. Like, their team is not built for that. I 
don't think that's the direction that a team like the Knicks should be going when they do have plenty of young talent that they can build upon. You know, that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make right now is that, you know, the Nets are built for success but only if the cards turn exactly the way that the Nets need them to. <laughs> the Knicks have some wiggle room to manipulate their what they're doing. The, the Nets cannot. They, they back themselves into a corner and they need everything to go right. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree, and you know, I I completely agree with you. It's going to take a lot for them to get out of the the, the rut that they're in now. Um, but kind of going back to the Knicks, like RJ Barrett as a player, you know, he he's shown that he can handle a high volume. He's you know he's not the best defender, but he makes up for it with good IQ. And uh, has slowly improved the shooting splits over the course of his career. But if you have a chance at a guy like Donovan Mitchell, and you have to part, who's, who's still young too, he's 26, now he's an older guard. And, and all you have to do is part with R.J. Barrett and maybe one one no, more young guy. They're not, no, they can't they're part with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is the guy is their guy right now. Why would they part with him? That doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, he's young, he's a superstar. R.J. Barrett's younger. (laughs) Okay, but Donovan Mitchell's a more complete player. No, he's not. He plays worse defense. I I don't know about all that. I, I don't know about all that noise. But, I I you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not entertaining this I'm not entertaining this Don, Donovan Mitchell Donovan Donovan Mitchell might get traded but I don't think he's getting traded to the Knicks because I I just don't think I don't think they want to give up R J Barrett is the thing and if that's what if that who they have to give up I don't think it's happening I don't I don't think anybody wants that is the thing yeah as I was looking up. Defensive metrics. The first article from the New York Post says R.J. Barrett a ne- unnecessary sacrifice. Knicks want Donovan Mitchell. So r- right away, by the New York Post recognizes the uh, recognizes the importance. Okay, but do you, do, me, do um, you have another source? Because th- this is the New York Post we're talking here. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with the New York Post? I'm I'm just saying. I, I did. Do you have another source? <laughs> Let me see, let me see. I was looking at metrics, but we got Knicks open R.J. Barrett trade, Bleacher Report. Okay, Bleacher uh, Report. SB, SB Nation, yet another Donovan Mitchell trade rumor, this one involving R.J. Barrett. Okay, there we go. Um. Okay, see, this one's a little bit biased, but Daily Knicks, this one's right along your – this one agrees with you. It says Knicks should make right decision of keeping R.J. Barrett. I'm not, I'm not asking Donovan for daily Mitchell Knicks. Trade. I'm 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 asking I'm asking for more like you know like what what SB Nation say? <laughs> is it's I'm, I'm uh, curious. Yeah, let me uh, you know, what? let me let me click on this. Let me, let me see what they said. So the Knicks, all right. Oh yeah, this is something I forgot to touch on before. So the Knicks initial package that they wanted to offer, you know, they they want to retain RJ Barrett at all costs, which of course, I understand. Of course they do. Um. You know, you know, which I understand. And honestly, if you can, definitely do it. Um, but 
the the Knicks initial package was five total draft picks, Fournier and Obi Toppin, and and the Jazz declined that. There there was speculation from Bleacher See, Report if, if, that if to me if the if the Utah Jazz declined that package, then why why bother resuming trade trade talks? Because that that to me seems like a fair package. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like, and I, I don't, don't even want to trade over Toppin. But if they rejected that package, I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the main thing is they looked at Evan Fournier's uh, contract, and they're like, "Hey, you know, do, do we really want to pay eighteen million to a aging shooting guard over the next two years when we're trying to rebuild and retool?" Well, I, I guess in their case, if they get Obi Toppin and they pull it with the young talent they already have, I guess it would be more of a retooling. But um, like they didn't want to take on his salary. They didn't want to become a salary dump team, which a lot of teams in rebuilding scenarios, there, there's two schools of thought. There's the Sam Presti way where you take on a litany of salary and you accumulate what, what feels like hundreds of draft picks in the hopes that one of them or two or more pan out and you have a complete roster. We saw that, that that strategy work its way up to the number two overall pick in this year's draft, but unfortunately for that pick, Chet Holmgren, he is out for the season now with a Liz Frank injury in his right foot. So that that kind of backfired on them a little bit, but you, you got to trust the process. Same thing, with, speaking of oh, trust the process. Oh, we're we're, we're going to trust the process now, huh? Yeah, speaking of trust the process, I mean that all originated with Sam Hinkie seventy sixers, same kind of school of thought where hey, we, you know, we're, we're going to trade um for a million draft picks, so, we're going to give so up our guy. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna yeah. say this: the process has not worked. <laughs> no, the process, and you know what that, that that's something that's something I want to address in a second too. But just just to end off on the whole um the, the whole R.J. Barrett Donovan Mitchell thing. I don't know. I think the odds of Donovan Mitchell actually ending up in New York are very unlikely at this point. Oh yeah, no, I don't think it's going to happen. If the, the, if the Knicks Brunson, are set, Barrett backcourt. If, if the Knicks are set on keeping yeah. R.J. Barrett, then I think they're probably not going to budge on that. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and and honestly, from a from a nu- neutral perspective, I completely agree with you. Um, I was just trying. I was just pleading my case of uh, if the Knicks were serious about Donovan Mitchell, they would probably have part with Arden Burr. But yeah, you wanted but, you wanted to move on from that. What, what were we gonna say? Yeah, yeah. But I I, I kind of wanted to dive into the whole uh, trust the process thing now that I you know now that we brought that up kind of impromptu. Um, and you know, going back to the whole debate of how a team should an NBA team should conduct a rebuild is there, there's there's a um, there's a method that, you know, trust in the process and Sam Presti way of trading for a, a litany of picks and taking on bad contracts in exchange for that. And there's a more center approach where you may let maybe you take on like a pick or so and you trade veterans out of convenience, maybe on an expiring contract to help a contender out, whatever the situation may be. But you try to clear cap space for free agent uh, potential free agent acquisitions. So I wanted to get your thoughts, Jake, on like, if, if you had to rebuild, let's just say 
let's just go with Oklahoma City. If if you were handed the keys of Oklahoma City Thunder right now, and you were instructed to complete the rest of the rebuild that Sam Presti started, would you focus on your rebuild through the draft, or would you try to pool those picks for potential superstar talent and then some? So I, th- I feel like I've kind of already made my stance clear on this. And, and, and granted, granted, you got to understand that I'm coming from a mindset of someone who watches – who who whose who biggest sport is is football? So, you know, obviously, I'm going to have a more draft centric mindset than probably a a more you know involved NBA fan would. Um, but I I'm a strong believer in you know rebuilding through the draft and and you know building your team with a strong young core of players who have talent. You know, maybe not necessarily the most talented players. A lot of them are probably going to be raw. But I think with three to five years of good coaching and obviously, you know, good scouting to get, you know, talented, high potential, high ceiling players, you know, in three to five years of good coaching, you can get to a point where they're one of the better teams in the NBA. Case in point, the Phoenix Suns, right? You know, they've got some good players out there and DeAndre Ayton, you know, campaign, Mikhail Bridges, obviously, Devin Booker, you know, their superstar, um, you know, obviously textbook Golden State Warriors, right? <laughs> we all know about them. But, I mean, granted, there are a lot of factors that go into that. You have to have good scouting. You have to have good, you know, front office decisions. You have to have good coaching. But I would rather take a chance on that then try to build a super team with, you know, stars that are in their prime now. But if they don't get, if they don't win with us now, they might not be in their prime, you know, by the end of those contracts. And and that's just kind of my point of view on it. I, that, that's just how I've always viewed things. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, look, like, um, because you, you, I, I feel like you know, it's it, hard to tell because have like like you know like the Thunder can have a litany of draft picks like this, but if another team trades away their star player for these picks, you know, the other team trading away the player the first thing in their mind will be like, hey, you know, if this team is built for sustained success, all these picks are going to be late first rounders. Now, that's not to say talent can't be found in, in the late first round. Jimmy Butler is a prime example of that when he got picked in the 20s by the Chicago Bulls. But it's it's less common. NBA draft classes are usually top-heavy. Picks one through three are often thought about as the top prospects in a respective class, the ones with the most superstar potential, the ones who are going to change the fortunes of the franchise that drafts them. And every year is followed as such. You know, this isn't like the NFL draft where you have seven rounds and you could have diamonds in the rough. The MLB draft, the same thing. you got multiple rounds where guys can slip through the cracks and they become impact players in the farm system. And, you know, even even to a degree, the NHL draft, where you have guys, you know, outs, like 
you know, the first round is where most of the talent is. We have guys, too, from, like, international pool, guys from, um, you know, later in the draft that make an impact. But the NBA, I feel like it's a lot – you're not a high first-round pick to really make a difference, and that's what these teams focus on so much. So when you're trading away your star player, you want the potential to have a chance at a top selection, whether it be with your own pick or with the other team's pick as well. Now, that won't deter teams from still trading for those picks to have extra ammunition if a trade becomes right. But the main focus is going to be on getting yourself as positioned as well in the lottery as you possibly can for a top player. And that's something that makes trading a boatload of picks tough. And then on the other side of things, Jake, you know, kind of like what you were saying, um, when you have that many picks and you can't get rid of them all and you're forced to draft all these rookies, you know, and, and you don't have room to sign all of them, maybe, after all of it's done, then what? Then you put yourself in another situation. So, So it's really tough to – pinpoint what the what direction really is the right well, one i mean team well, I, building think, is I think such you a, kind of misunderstand oh. where where my mindset is i'm not thinking about hoarding draft picks you know not in terms of the nba because obviously in football you want to do that right because football rosters are big you have a long draft hoarding draft picks at least gets you depth right but th- obviously that doesn't work in the nba i'm not i'm not really thinking that i just more my my thought process is it's better to go younger in doing a rebuild rather than to base your rebuild entirely around you know superstars who might be in their prime now but are going to be aging by the time their contracts expire you know so like you know I mean you don't need to hoard five six first round picks I'm just thinking like you know you tank for one year, right? You get like a top 10 pick. You get a lottery pick, right? And then let, let's say you get one or two lottery picks within two years. And then you can build on that, right? Assuming assuming you do good scouting, assuming you draft talent, like you, your, your draft picks start to pan out and actually have some good potential and they can be, you know, keystone players. Then you move forward and you're going to be building around those guys, right? Now, the downside is if those lottery picks don't pan out, but the likelihood is if those lottery pick, if those players who are lottery picks don't pan out, you're going to continue having lottery picks anyway, so you can move on from those players and just just scrap the rebuild before you get too deep into it, right? <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. That that's just that's just kind of my mindset because I don't agree with the whole notion of like hoarding draft picks in the NBA because that just doesn't make any sense. Your team's not big enough for that, you know. And like let's see, let's say you have a team full of rookies and second years. Well, I mean that's not going to help anybody. You need to have at least one veteran, right? You know. <laughs> like I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't have any veterans. I'm I'm saying that you should build around a a, a core a, a core group of young players, you know. So like, just to kind of compare it to baseball, you know, you had the core four for the Yankees back in the '90s. You had Rivera, you had Posada, 
You had Jeter and you had Pettit. Technically, you had Bernie too, because but Core Five doesn't really roll off the tongue. You know, so you had those five players. They built around those guys, is what I'm saying. You know, you build to complement the guys at the center of your roster, and that's my mindset, right? You know, you you draft guys you want to build a team around. You don't you don't just draft. You don't just keep drafting players in the hopes of, you know, in in hopes of hitting the jackpot because that doesn't work either, you know. <laughs> right, right. I and mean, you you, you don't it, go in every draft just... hoping to get Zion Williamson. It's not reasonable. <laughs> Dude, I, I I mean, if you're any NBA team and you can go after a guy like. Uh, you know, like a Giannis every year. Like, of course you're going to do it. You know, you want to form well, a yeah, team that... If you can, can get can that sustain. guy, and it's reasonable... It, it's unrealistic, though. I agree with you there. I I just think... I just try to think about it in a very realistic way because that's just... You know, I, I think everybody... Everybody in their heads, right, is trying to play... Is trying to play uh, NBA 2K, right? You know, just trying to build the best <laughs> team possible, right? Where everybody in their head is trying to play Madden or MLB the show or whatever sport you're talking about. But you can't actually do that in real life. That's not how that's not how sports work. You know? You you can't just you can't just get all the best players. So you you have to think about it in a way of like, okay, who who can we build a team around? Who's gonna complement those players? Can we make a winning formula out of this, right? <laughs> you know? You take it one year at a time. That's just kind of my thought process. I know everybody, I know NBA is a very win now league, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's where the majority of the pressure comes, you know. And, and out of all the sports leagues, free agency definitely has the biggest impact in basketball. It completely changed the fortune of a team. I mean, look at when LeBron signed with the Lakers, right? You could even say LeBron, same thing when he signed back with the Cavaliers. They, they were they had no direction, and they, he re-signs back, and they won a championship, right? Like because because again, the rosters are smaller, and that's where hoarding draft picks just is counterproductive to uh, smart team building at times. But what I'm saying is, you need to balance both the draft and free agency. They need to complement each other, right? You can't just focus heavily on one or otherwise you're not going to build a good team. You might build a good team for one year, but you're not going to build a good team that could win you maybe two or three. Right, right. I completely agree with you there, man. This is why the Knicks should make you GM, Jake. Well, I mean, the Knicks should make a lot of people GM. (laughs) I think James Dolan should just sell the team. Well, (laughs) you're preaching to the choir here, buddy. You're preaching. You're preaching the choir. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember uh, earlier in the off season when uh, th- there were the rumors of James Dolan wanting to sell the team, and, and everybody just started nope. getting getting up and celebrating. Nope. He immediately shut those down. He's just like, "There's no way in hell I would sell this team." I don't. I don't. I don't remember those started. rumors at all. And I think even if he did sell the team, I still wouldn't believe it. No, it, it was almost like the same thing with uh, with the Wilpons. Like you never believed they would go away until they actually did. 
and now Steve Cohen's here. No, and the, everything the, is the good. problem is the problem is James Dolan makes way too much money off of both the Knicks and the Rangers playing in Madison Square Garden. Why would he ever want to sell the team? He makes a lot of money. Right. And, and, and I can't fault of... the man, right? Yeah. I mean, the dude just the dude sits on a throne made of cash because of those two teams and because of that and because of that arena. I mean, would you want to sell the team? No, I, if I'm making a massive profit off of them, I don't care what the public thinks of me. I'll just be secure in my bag in peace. And honestly, that's probably what he's doing too. And I don't blame him one bit. I mean, that's, that's to, to me, that's just that's just common sense. I can't even be mad at James Dolan for the fact that he hasn't sold the team because, I mean, he has literally zero incentive to do so. You know, I mean, that's just, I, I, I know nobody wants to hear that, but that's just how it is. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just the way, that's, that's just the way life works. You know, you, you they, they only sell the team when, when they're not making money and he's making money. He's always making money. Right. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately for the fans, I mean, that, that, that's not what they want to hear, but I, I, as a businessman, that, that is a smart decision that you just can't knock the guy for, you know? I mean, let's let's be real. The, the Knicks fans never hear what they... New York fans never hear what they want to hear. If it's not a championship, it's not what we want to hear. Am I right, Brett? Oh, oh Absolutely. I'm still waiting for my teams to win a championship. Come on, where are my championships? <laughs> I I haven't I haven't seen my team win a championship. Well, outside of college basketball, I have not seen my team win championships in 2012. So, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting. Uh, ten, 10 years is a long time. The only years the only lifetime. team that I root for that has won a single championship. In within the past within the past ten years has been Villanova. That's it. <laughs> yep, but but hey, Villanova, even though they haven't won a championship, they're still a top college basketball program. Hey, so that's gotta be something. They they are. But hopefully hopefully this year, New York baseball. Hopefully it finally happens. <laughs> Subway series. I've been rooting for it all year. If it actually happens, I will lose my mind. Me too. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. That is going to conclude the Friday crew. And this is the second to last Friday crew before our school year starts back up. So, you know, we'll see you next week for the last summer crew. And then we'll have you back here for the school year. But... For now, that's going to do it for WRSU, the crew. You've been listening to the Friday Crew with Jake Mistel and Brett Hahn. Stay tuned to WRSU 88.7 FM New Brunswick or online at WRSU.org for further programming.